Hey, Journey family, it is Holy Week, so we're taking a break from Exodus and jumping into a special reading plan specifically for this week. Holy Week's the week leading up to Easter, and if you are local to Dallas, we want to invite you and your friends, your roommates, your family to not only read along with us, but also attend Watermark's Easter services. There's a good Friday service, Friday, April 7th at noon. You can come at lunch, and then four Easter service times for you to choose from. Saturday, April 8th, 2023 at 3 p.m. or 5 p.m. And Sunday, April 9th at 9 a.m. and 11.15 a.m. We'll also be hosting services in Spanish. And that info, along with everything else you might need to know about joining us for Easter Sunday, will be listed in the description. Reading our Bibles regularly can be a challenge, but we're all on this journey together. We're praying that this podcast inspires you, helps you better understand God's Word, and builds your faith. This is Join the Journey with your host, Emma Daughter. Thanks for joining. It is Good Friday, and all next week we're going to pause reading Exodus and spend some time preparing for Easter. You can find all the reading plan details at jointhejourney.com under the resources tab at the top of the page. In the meantime, today is Good Friday, and we're answering the questions, what is Good Friday, what makes Good Friday good, and where did Jesus go in between his burial and resurrection? If you've been around the church for a while, hang with me. I think God's got something for you, and if not, I think you're going to find this episode really helpful. We've got a lot of ground to cover, so today we're diving right in. It's Good Friday, but in order to best understand what exactly Good Friday celebrates, we've got to understand how we got here. In the beginning, at the beginning of the story of Scripture, really our world, Adam and Eve were in perfect, right fellowship and relation with God. But then sin entered the picture, sin being anything we think, say, or do that doesn't please or honor God. And now, instead of wrath, though, we see God give love. Sure, there's consequences for sin, but the love that he gave came through a sacrifice, an animal that was slain to cover them both physically and spiritually. We don't typically think about animals being slain in the Genesis 1 through 3 story. We think, hey, that comes later with the law, sacrificial system, whatever. But as John Elmore showed us at last year's Good Friday service, we read in Genesis 3, 21, And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Adam and Eve sinned. They realized they're naked. They're ashamed. And God sacrificed an animal or killed an animal. Sacrifice might be a a confusing word to use. But an animal was slain and its skins were used to cover these sinful people. After the Garden of Eden and the chasm, the separation in man's fellowship with God, as Elmore taught us last year, there are four tables of reconciliation. The Passover table, the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper, and the wedding feast of the Lamb. The Passover table looked forward. It looked ahead to the coming Lamb of God. At the Passover, a spotless male lamb would be killed, Exodus 12, 5 through 6, and its bones would not be broken, Exodus 12, 46. They would put the lamb's blood on their door frames, making the symbol of a cross. And because of the blood, God's wrath, the angel of death, would pass over them, sparing their firstborn male child. Later, at the Last Supper table, Jesus celebrated the Passover with his disciples, where they would remember how God spared his people and led them out of Egypt. But at this moment, Jesus explained that he was about to be sacrificed as the lamb of God. 
There is no way, Elmer taught us, to get from the Last Supper to the Lord's Supper without the cross. The Lord's Supper looks back at the cross. When we take communion today, we are remembering Christ's death for our sins. One day, those who are saved through faith in Christ's death and resurrection will be invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. But here on Good Friday, we find ourselves recalling Jesus' words to his disciples at the Passover table. Now, technically, most scholars believe, and I'd say I'm with them, that the Passover meal took place the Thursday before Good Friday, or the night before Jesus went to the cross. So if you want to read about the events that took place on Good Friday, I'd encourage you to read Matthew 27, Mark 15, Luke 22, 66 through 23, 56, and John 18, 28 through 19, 37. But in short, at this point in the story of Jesus, we see his betrayal, arrest, desertion, his followers spread, false trials. He's denied by his followers, condemnation, beating, and mockery, and ultimately his death, his crucifixion. He dies. So why do we call this day a day marked by the murder of an innocent man? Well, really, the murder of the Son of God, God in the flesh, as good. The answer is actually really simple. The story doesn't end with Jesus' death on the cross. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 1 Peter 3, 18 reads, For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring us to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit. On Good Friday, We recognize the weightiness of the sacrifice that was made on our behalf, and we look forward to the rest of the story, which we celebrate on Easter, that Christ rose from the grave, defeating death, so that Romans 10, 9 through 10, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes and is justified, and with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. That's how you become a Christian. You confess with your mouth that you're a sinner. You fall short of God's standard, but Jesus is his perfect son. He is Lord who took the punishment we deserve for all our sin, and we believe in our hearts that God raised him to life again. If we do that, we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. There is good news in Jesus' death because our salvation isn't dependent upon our works or performance. That's Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 and Titus 3, 5. So now really quickly, shifting gears, I want to address another important question. Where did Jesus go in between his burial, Good Friday, and his resurrection, Easter Sunday? How can we answer that question succinctly? The most common belief is that Jesus went to hell in between his death and resurrection. But that's actually a misconception. It can't be true. There's really three options, three schools of thought as to what he was up to. So option one, in between his death and resurrection, Jesus preached to fallen angels. Number two, Jesus reunited with the famous Bible characters from the Old Testament and brought them to heaven. Or number three, Jesus was simply in heaven in between his death and resurrection, which I I think we'll see as the most convincing. Those are the three, preaching to fallen angels, reunited with Old Testament heroes of the faith, or three, he was in fact actually just in heaven. The clearest indication, I'm going to show you why that's convincing, the clearest indication of where Jesus went comes from Jesus himself when he speaks to the other thief on the cross before he dies. 
the repentant thief asks to be remembered in Luke 23, and Jesus responds to him by saying, this is Luke 23, verse 43, Jesus says, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. So we can know with certainty that after his crucifixion, after his death, Jesus went to heaven as did the thief who believed. So why then, or where do people get this idea that Jesus went to hell between Good Friday and Easter? Well, some people get it from 1 Peter 3, verses 18 through 20, which read, Christ also suffered once for sins. We got that. The righteous for the unrighteous. Great. That he might bring us to God. Awesome. Being put to death in the flesh, he dies, but made alive in the spirit. Here's where the confusion comes in. This is 1 Peter 3, verse 20. Made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared. Specifically, the idea that Jesus went to hell comes from these words that we encounter, or can come from these words that we encounter in these verses, that when he died, he was made alive in the Spirit, and he went. Where did he go? Well, According to 1 Peter 3, we could conclude that he went to proclaim something to the spirits in prison who did not obey God during the time of Noah. So the question is, where did Jesus go, if anywhere, and who did he talk to, and what did he say? At first glance, I can see why people draw the conclusion that he went to hell. Prison? Sounds like a bad place. Spirits? Sounds spooky. And we know a lot of sinful people roamed the earth during Noah's day. So let's break this down. Why is it wrong to conclude that Jesus went to hell in between his death and resurrection? Well, simply because of Jesus' words to the thief, we know for certain he was in paradise. But if we step out of the limits of our known realm, what we've experienced and understand on this earth, some scholars explain what we read in 1 Peter by pointing out uh, that these spirits Jesus spoke to were not the assumed souls of people who lived during Noah's day. Instead, they were fallen angels. Some scholars believe the spirits mentioned in 1 Peter are fallen angels, not people. This is important because angels can't be saved. The idea that Jesus would ascend to hell to preach uh, doesn't, doesn't really make sense. There wasn't an opportunity for angels to be saved. Why would Jesus proclaim this message to them if they can't be saved? Some scholars would say, hey, he wasn't presenting an opportunity to repent. He was declaring that he is victorious over Satan. That's idea number one. Jesus could have preached to fallen angels a message of defeat. He was, he was triumphant. Idea number two think this one makes a lot of sense, is to say that Christ in and through Noah previously, when Noah was on the earth, preached a message of repentance to those who are walking in sin. One commentator puts it like this, according to this alternate interpretation, Christ was in Noah spiritually when Noah preached to his doomed neighbors. To better explain, here's a paraphrase of 1 Peter 3, 18 through 20. Jesus was put to death in the flesh but he was made alive in the Spirit. It was through the same Spirit that Jesus long ago preached to those who are right now in prison, those souls who disobeyed during the time of God's great patience when Noah was building the ark. According to this view, Jesus preached spiritually to the people of Noah's time, and he did this through the prophet Noah, 
in much the same way that God speaks through us today when we proclaim God's word. Personally, I think this one makes the most sense. It's not saying that Jesus went somewhere in between his death and resurrection. It's saying that God has been consistent since the days of Noah in his message of repentance. God's been consistent. Here's idea number three. Why might people think Jesus went to hell in between his death and resurrection? Well, Ephesians 4 verses 8 through 10 is a passage that's typically referenced. And it says that when Jesus ascended, he led a quote-unquote host of captives. Ultimately, what we read here in Ephesians is Paul quoting another passage of scripture from Psalm 68. And some people think these verses refer to an event that isn't described anyone anywhere else in scripture— And in this event, after securing salvation on the cross, Jesus brought Abraham, David, Joshua, Daniel, Lazarus, the thief on the cross, and everyone else who had previously been justified by faith and led them from Hades, the abode of the dead, the home of the dead in general, to their new spiritual home. This view, it's giving a nod to the ancient Near Eastern beliefs, the beliefs of those in the Old Testament regarding where, Hades, people went when they died. But... Another commentator writes, another view of Ephesians 4 is that ascended on high is a straightforward reference to Jesus's ascension. Christ returned to heaven victoriously as God. In his triumph, Jesus had defeated and taken captive our spiritual enemies, the devil, death, and the curse of sin. All that being said, we've ultimately generally got three options. Number one, Jesus preached to fallen angels in between. Number two, Jesus reunited with the famous Bible characters from the Old Testament and brought them to heaven. Or number three, Jesus didn't go to hell. He was chilling in heaven with the thief because the work was finished on the cross. That's where Jesus said he went. All of this to say, though, the commentator concludes, the Bible gives scant or limited information about what exactly Christ did for the three days between his death and resurrection. The only thing we know for sure, literally the only thing, according to Jesus's words, his own words on the cross, is that he went to paradise. We can also say with confidence that his work of redemption finished as Jesus cried out, it is finished when he died. Jesus did not have to suffer in hell. It is finished. And that is good news. The death of Jesus, which we celebrate on Good Friday, is something we can be confident in. It was done once and for all to bring us to God. The death of Jesus offers a message of love. What a sacrifice. John 3, 16. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Verse 17. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. If you've got questions about Jesus, the gospel, or anything else we've talked about today, shoot us an email at jointhejourney@watermark.org, and we'd love to connect. That's all we've got time for today. But as always, I'm so glad we're all on this journey reading the Bible together. The Join the Journey podcast is produced by Watermark Community Church in Dallas, Texas. You can learn more about Watermark by connecting with us on social media. Just search Watermark Church, all one word. And to read along with us, visit jointhejourney.com. And thank you guys for listening.